0: Welcome to another episode of Everything EOS. I'm Zach Gall, an ICO data analyst at ICO Alert, the trusted ICO discovery platform. Visit ICOalert.com, the most complete calendar of all active and upcoming ICOs to discover the latest projects and opportunities like EOS.io. And I'm here today with the founder of ICO Alert and now CEO of Cypherglass and founder of Cypherglass also, Rob Finch.
1: Thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of Everything EOS. Uh, Once again, we do appreciate the feedback and comments that we're getting about the show. When we read all these positive comments on YouTube or SoundCloud or wherever you're leaving them, um, it really gets us excited and, and really gets us motivated to continue to record awesome episodes. So if you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by either liking, subscribing, or following the podcast on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you may be listening today.
0: On today's podcast, we will be detailing the latest news and announcements around EOSIO, including a major investment round led by the founder of PayPal and TechMobile, Peter Thiel, along with crypto powerhouse Bitmain. We also cover some new releases and tools from both Block One and Cypherglass, as well as EOS.io setting new transaction speed records. Got a really exciting episode for everyone today. Yeah, it's a great episode.
1: We hope you will listen to the whole thing. Lots of cool info and uh, a surprise guest for next week's episode that you should listen to to find out through the end. Uh, Before we get started, I do need to mention that this podcast is not sponsored. Um, Gal and I are just super excited members of the EOS community who do hold EOS tokens ourselves. Uh, Remember, this podcast is not to be construed as legal, financial, tax, professional, or any other kind of advice. Uh, We're simply two passionate members talking about open source technology, and you should always do your own research before making any financial decisions.
0: All right, so we had a big week this week here uh, in the EOS community. We had Block One make some huge, huge announcements. Uh, the biggest one being the latest investment round into Block One, which is uh, the company that that built EOS.IO and that that is going to continue developing the EOS ecosystem and updates to the EOS.IO software. Uh, they closed around the funding uh, led by Peter Thiel, who, for the, those who don't know, he founded PayPal in 1998. He has an estimated net worth of around. billion dollars he was one of the original uh investors in facebook linkedin yelp airbnb and spacex he's a he's a self-proclaimed bitcoin bull himself uh reportedly invested over 20 million dollars in bitcoin through his uh vc firm called founders fund in january oh no in january (laughs)
1: I hope that was after the uh, well, he, the crash down from 20000 yeah, So, so
0: he, he bought someone's bags. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> uh,
0: and then he also invested in a San Francisco-based project called uh, Reserve Stablecoin. It raised $5 million in its seed round. that had 40 other funds involved, including the Coinbase exchange. Ah. So he, he has a lot of crossover with, with a lot of other projects. And, and the other, he's a huge tech name himself. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't state that enough of how much legitimacy this adds to the project. Like if it, if it wasn't clear to you after the Eric Schmidt VC partnership yeah. and the, the galaxy digital partnership, these are legitimate Players. Oh yeah, and I haven't even talked about Bitman yet. We'll get to that yeah. in a second. I let's, mean, let's let's type up Peter Thiel here.
1: Peter Thiel is one of the most well-known venture capitalists in the world, I believe. Especially when it comes to the tech space. I mean, you mentioned he's an early investor in Facebook, LinkedIn, Yelp, all these other things. But he actually still has a board seat at, at Facebook, also. So he's a very influential person in the tech space. Like you said, um, has come out and been you know vocal about Bitcoin, and now through this investment in Block One is very vocal about EOS.
0: What EOSIO is trying to do, and and Block One supporting it fully is they're trying to disrupt. And to disrupt an entire industry like the tech industry, you, you need a wide global network of connections to, to, to establish companies. Yeah. In an ideal situation, companies that already exist and are doing billions of dollars in revenue... We want them to move the blockchain, to way to to kind of put those whispers in their ear that they should be doing this. I mean, they can't ignore it at this point. It's grown to the point where it can't be ignored. And you could see it when announcements like this are made.
1: Yeah, and I take a. I personally don't think that Peter Thiel in this case is going to go to go to Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook and say, "Hey, let's try to move this thing to blockchain." Instead, it seems like based on a recent Telegram chat between Brendan Bloomer and then uh, Dan Larimer also chimed in. If you're not familiar, Brendan Bloomer, the CEO of Block One, Daniel Larimer, CTO, uh, the brains behind this operation. Um, But they were talking a lot, sort of about. you know, the purpose of EOSIO, Brendan Bloomer has a quote that says, over the last year, we've been explaining that EOSIO was designed to be a protocol that enabled mainstream decentralized applications to meet the requirements needed to compete with large-scale technology incumbents like Facebook, Uber, Airbnb, and other blue-chip organizations. And then he goes on to say, block one is now focused on internally evolving to leverage EOSIO as a foundation to disrupt these groups that are of a different scale than our crypto peers of the past. This is a time-consuming task to do correctly, but we're working harder than ever. Ever, to put our best foot forward to show change that can only now be realized by the high performance capabilities of ESIO. So what this says to me is that they're basically, as an organization, as Block One, as a DApp developer, they're going to go out and try to build the next decentralized Facebook or the next Uber or the next Airbnb that's decentralized.
0: If you've been following our podcast, we we kind of share little tidbits of things Bloomer said or, or, or Dan said. They've been dropping hints like crazy, oh, yeah. about what they're doing. yeah. and we've talked about this multiple times how we're hypothesizing block one themselves are probably gonna build the first like mainstream killer dapps. yeah. I mean Dan Dan has his experience building Steam. Steam's just a very junior junior level social network. But that experience is going to be invaluable. Building the next level of social network. Well, and
1: Steam did, to not like sort of underplay it too much. Steam is still the most used blockchain by transactions, so most used blockchain in the world ahead of Bitcoin and Ethereum.
0: And I think what Steam did and does is it allows someone to generate value without actually for for themselves without actually paying for anything or buying anything. Right. So the the, the traditional on ramp to get into crypto is let's let's walk through it so first you got to sign up for Coinbase or right. whatever exchange you want to do Gemini you got to i get your identity verified Uh, which sometimes takes days Mm -hmm. or weeks or months (laughs) and then you got to decide whether you not you want to pay a four percent debit card fee or if you want to wait five business days for your bank transfer to go through you got to buy your bitcoin ethereum or litecoin most likely bitcoin or ethereum then you got to transfer that to like a binance or something to to buy all your smaller coins that sounds simple to us yeah (laughs) but think about this someone who's just never done crypto before that's oh yeah it's crazy but A service like steemit and potentially the next generation of a social social network you could sign up for a steemit account for free generate a wallet address you get that wallet and you start you start blogging creating good content people upvote your posts and you get paid in steam dollars yeah so you're able and then you you take those steam dollars and then to off-ramp your crypto if you want to get fiat there's still going to be that learning curve to figure out how to sell it but in an ideal world, and where we see this whole industry heading, is why convert to fiat? Yeah. Like once we get to the point where you could buy and sell goods with without like needing to use fiat. Um, hypothetically, I, I generate a hundred dollars on of Steam dollars. I've never bought crypto in my life. I have a hundred dollars of Steam dollars though because I, I wrote a couple of blogs that that went viral. So I could take that hundred dollars. Um, and I could go on a site like Overstock.com. Overstock.com uses Shapeshift to, to purchase things. Yeah. I could use my Steam dollars in Shapeshift to buy goods on Overstock. Yeah. From the revenue I generated from blogging. Yeah, without I ever going into USD. I never bought crypto, but I'm getting tangible real-life goods. Yeah. And That's crazy to think about. Yeah. So Steam's the only platform I can think of that you're able to do something like that. Yeah. But that's like the grand vision of this whole cryptocurrency revolution this is big i never even thought of steam as an on that's a
1: really really good analogy there this is another on-ramp for people into crypto you create content you add value to the network and then you're given crypto without having to ever go through dollars exactly that's crazy
0: and that's where this is headed so think about it we- we've talked about the gaming industry before yeah bloomer's background is in buying and selling virtual goods yeah so what, what they would do is they, they would have thousands of employees who literally just like mine gold or something. Yeah, something. not just
1: thousands. They had 400,000 employees in China mining World of Warcraft gold, Lord of the Rings gold, all kinds of different gold, a giant and company called- And there's a called, dollar
0: value on that gold. So this is oh, video yeah. game gold. Yeah. But if I want to just buy shit on a video game and I don't want to spend hours mining gold, I'll go buy it. Yeah. I, I'd rather spend the money than than spend the, the time needed- to collect that gold. Yeah. So you put a dollar value on that gold. Let's say it's one gold bar is one dollar. I don't care what game we're talking about. If I wanted to generate value for myself, and this is a blockchain-based game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we talked about the, um, what's the Second Life guy company
1: Oh, uh, High, Fidelity, High Fidelity, the recent investment by Novogratz. Yeah.
0: So we mentioned that that investment by Novogratz into High Fidelity, which the, the founder of Second Life, it's a big virtual world game, all the mining stuff. I've never played it. you got to facilitate some sort of mining of resources. Now, if those resources are blockchain based, I could... Use something like Shapeshift for that, yeah. And buy stuff on Overstock.com, yeah. I could play a video game, <laughs> mine gold all day by just staring at my screen and clicking like a freaking robot, yeah. And if I want to create, turn turn that time into value, if if this is a blockchain-based, tokenized gold, virtual gold, yeah. I could sell it for real life goods. Oh, definitely, and, I, and the possibilities are endless. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of
1: that. Um, you know, a blockchain-based game where somebody can just hop on their phone, play a, a new version of uh, Candy Crush or some game like that, and ma- not make money through gold, but maybe oh, you got the high score for the day. Here's a bunch of tokens that are now worth money. I think to your point about Steam, video games could also be that honor for a lot of people into crypto, into this crazy world.
0: Yeah, when when the when the day comes. When you could generate value, earn cryptocurrency easily, frictionless, yeah, and then through through e- either some sort of Dex or shapeshift like service, you could buy or sell anything. Yeah, well, I think
1: going back to disrupting all of these major companies like the facebooks like the yelps like the airbnbs i think the only way you can really do that now with a company that already has 2 or 3 billion users like facebook is really to add that token economics layer where people are being rewarded in some way for the content that they produce so mm-hmm. if my mom posts a cool photo and all our relatives like it maybe she makes a couple bucks there or you know she tweets something out on the new social media platform that they're building and it goes viral and she makes a thousand dollars. So mm-hmm. it, whatever that's going to be, I think they have to get the token economics right in order to disrupt these players. But uh, if anybody can do it, it's that
0: a whole new economy could be built. So let, let's hypothesize this uh, Facebook 2.0, this next gen social network exists. It's decentralized. The, Facebook has thousands of employees. So how do, and, and they have very important jobs. So if you have a big social network, how, how do you, uh, you need little worker bees and they could be paid in some sort of tokenized cryptocurrency. So like moderators, for instance, you, you got to kind of arbitrate on posts that are determined to be hate speech or something. Right. Someone's got to manually review these posts and if they were, were paid for that in, in a cryptocurrency for that time and effort, then they'd be generating value. And I I think this is where, I mean, I can't state this enough. This is, yeah. this is where we're headed. Oh, definitely. I, I don't know when.
1: Well, I think, I mean, if you think of now, all of the jobs that exist now because of the internet and social media and now crypto that didn't exist 5, 10, 15 years ago, imagine the jobs that are going to exist 5, 10, 15 years from now where it, my child in 30 years when he's grown up may actually play video games for a living and do it through some tokenized world or may like be selling, I don't know, homes in a in decentraland in some virtual reality world. It's it's crazy to think about how people are gonna
0: actually make money and and sustain their lives in the future. We are living in what might be looked back on as something as big as the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. The the same way the internet disseminated information globally at a high speed. This blockchain revolution is going to disrupt the the transfer of of value and and secure data transfer. Yeah. Um, Like we we were talking about earning value through these tokens, but then the other big key selling point of blockchain is tokenizing, transmitting data securely. Yeah. And I I think I used the example before where if I could kind of wrap up my private Facebook data in a in a little box. And I could transmit that data to, to people interested in it, like advertisers. They, they could pay me for sharing my data with them, and I, I could take it back at any time.
1: Yeah, and Facebook can't sell it to some other organization exactly. behind your back.
0: Because everything would, would be immutable in the blockchain. Yep. If I sent my tokenized data to someone, they wouldn't be able to pass that on to someone else w- without me knowing about it, right. giving permission. It would all be done programmatically through some sort of smart contract or smart token. Um, so, so I guess getting back to our lead-in topic, we kind of went, went wild there. Yeah. but It's exciting uh, to think about back that. Back to that investment around Bitmain. Yeah. Yeah. So Bitmain, uh, which, which is run by CEO Jihan Wu, they're another huge company. I think mo- most people have heard of Bitmain and Antpool. Yep. Uh, but but I don't know if everyone's kind of informed about the size of their operations. It's massive. So, I mean, sorry. Yeah, if you
1: think of Bitmain, they're basically the largest company. Uh, provider of Bitcoin mining hardware, but also run the largest Bitcoin mining pool in the world. They own several different mining pools, BTC.com and pool, which now have more than 50% of Bitcoin's hash power. So Jihan Wu and Bitmain sort of technically, even though they're incentivized not to double spend or or harm the network in any way now that they control more than 50% of it, um, technically they could because they have that control. They're that Big and uh, it says here, Bitmain reported profits in the range of three billion to four billion dollars in 2017, and that's profits. That's not that's not revenue. That's not gross revenue. That's their profit. Um, and their recent investment around $400 400 million has uh, them at a valuation of 12 billion dollars, which know, makes them.
0: You know who else made four billion dollars in profit over the last year?
1: <laughs> Block one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So
0: these are monster powerhouses. Oh yeah, They're investing into each other. They're investing talent, yep. resources, money. I don't even think money is even needed. So this investment round from Peter Peter Thiel and and Bitmain into Block 1, Block 1 didn't need the money. This is a strategic partnership. Oh, absolutely. It has everything to do about the strategic partnership. It has nothing to do with the money. I I don't even... Was the amount disclosed? I, I read no. some articles said the amount wasn't disclosed, and I saw other articles that quoted $20 million. That sounded kind of yeah. low. Yeah, people were yeah.
1: speculating, but the the actual amount was never officially disclosed, at least not in that official press release. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was interesting. I was talking to a, a new friend of mine who I just got introduced recently, but who runs a, a fund in China, like a, a crypto hedge fund. Um, and a lot of what he was talking about, he you know, when this announcement came out, he shot me an email, and we were talking a little bit about it. And he had a good theory that... You know, obviously, a lot of these people may have already been invested in EOS. Peter Thiel was rumored many, many months ago to actually have been in EOS in some way. Maybe that was the sort of initial rumors of this. But this is really Peter Thiel and Mike Novogratz and now Bitmain and all these other people trying to get a piece of the apps that Block One are going to build. So mm-hmm. if you think of Block One as the biggest app developer, they have 10% of all the EOS tokens, which means they can use 10% of the network at any time, 10% of those resources. They can power. Adapt like Facebook or adapt like the next Uber. Um, so it's really not about the money; it's about them coming in, like you said, giving their strategic uh, connections, whatever it may be, um, but also getting a piece of the the DApps that Block One is going to build.
0: So a thing I uncovered when when doing a little bit of background research on Bitmain for this podcast was that they recently actually bought a controlling stake in the web browser Opera. Yeah. And I I, I don't use Opera; I, I use Chrome. But uh, a- after they bought it the latest versions of Opera Web Browser actually have a native Ethereum wallet built right into the browser. That's crazy. <laughs> That's pretty
1: cool. I mean, yeah. then you don't have to... We were talking about this before the podcast. Then you don't have to install an extension like Scatter or something like that. You can just go straight into using your wallet.
0: Yeah, I think the next generation of browsers... I mean, I don't know what Google's working on, but but there's there, there's a lot of work being done in the browser space in, in relation to cryptocurrency. So I'm, I'm curious to see if Chrome's just going to adapt and... and st- Still have their monopoly on the market. Yeah. Or if uh, a web browser is able to come out that's going to be above and beyond and better than something Google would do, that'd be a disruption. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, one of the big, this is an interesting point, one of the big uh, topics in sort of the Bitcoin community in like 2013, 2014 was hey, there's this, there's actually a financial layer built into the core like HTTP protocols of the internet that has just never been used. It's basically a way to transfer value in some way, but it was really never built out. And crypto is the perfect way to kind of, you know, implant this new way of transferring value right into the internet that already exists today. So to have that built in by default in every browser would be awesome. And now that uh, Bitmin is invested in Block One, maybe they'll add an EOS wallet to the the Opera mm-hmm. browser.
0: So I, speaking of development and yeah. developing tools. Uh, you guys just at Cypherglass released a, a tool this week, right? Yeah, so we uh, launched something called Cipherglass Help. If you go to cypherglass,
1: C-Y-P-H-E-R glass. com slash help, um, right now it's basically sort of a beefed up frequently asked questions page. You can, you know, if you have a question about, hey, how many tokens do I need to stake, or how do I vote, or how do I transfer my EOS out, you can search all that there on that page, um, and the really cool part about it is that it's sort of an ongoing community resource. So already we've gotten dozens of new questions submitted that we're going through and sort of answering one-on-one, but then also adding those questions to the page. So if you have a new question about EOS or crypto or whatever it may be, you can submit that question on com slash help. We'll answer it to you one-on-one, but we'll also put it on the website so that when somebody else has that same question, uh, they can just check the page and boom, their question's answered.
0: That, that, that's an awesome tool. And to add to that, Uh, I just want to remind everyone that Block 1 has something similar where they have like a question and answer thing yeah, that they do. ask block one. Yeah, so you could also ask questions to block one because maybe Cypherglass isn't in a position to answer these questions because right. you're not privy to what block one's doing and you don't know what they're willing to share. Right. Sometimes I- I've looked through these questions whenever they answer a question, so it-, it allows you to ask them a question. Do you ask it on Twitter, I think?
1: I think it's on Twitter with the hashtag ask block one.
0: And then block one will write a blog post with the answer to it and then they'll tweet out their answer to that, qu- the-, the link with the answer to that question.
1: Yeah, and they don't do it for every question but. They the, the questions they pick are generally pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, and sometimes they will drop a, t- a tidbit that hasn't really hit a press release yet. Yeah. If, if you read into it a little bit, um, so so just to get an idea, if you if you want, it, I guess it depends on your questions. But Definitely. The the good thing about the Cipherglass help, just from the little bit of time I spent on it, was it it's kind of like an all in one FAQ for for everything EOS. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas the Block One Q and A, it's individual blog post. It, it's it's UI is not as good. Let's just say that. Right. If you wanted to go through all of their Q&As.
1: Yeah, Cipherglass help is more focused on, say, beginners. So like when you're new yeah. to the crypto space, it can be super confusing. You're like, how do I get a wallet? Why does my EOS wallet show I only have 10 EOS when I have more? How do I view airdrops? All these different questions. We're trying to answer all of those. The sort of the questions that everybody has when they're getting started. And I think the block one are generally a little bit more complex. Like, hey, uh, what is is multithreading going to support X, Y, and Z, for example?
0: Yeah, and... There, there's so much cool stuff. It's that, awesome that you guys built that. And I know you're building some other tools. What What was the – um? you put out some other tools. I'm yeah, not so sure we're,
1: we're almost ready to release uh, Glass, which is basically a, a tool to make sure that block producers stay independent. So right now, EOS is actually very decentralized with 21 different block producers. But if, say, over time, uh, a few of those block producers – all it takes is eight – collude and – Are either owned by the same person or have the same vested interests and start colluding, uh, very quickly that that network can become centralized and and the whole thing kind of breaks. Um, So, what we're trying to do with Glass is just make all of the information that these block producers are putting out, sort of their level of transparency, who owns them, make all of that public in one place that people can come and view. Um, And it it very obviously calls out people who don't have that information. (laughs) So, if you're a block producer, um, one I won't name, but that's in the top 21 who frequently moves around their. their producer uh, infrastructure through Amazon Web Services, you're going to see that. Oh, one day they're in the middle of the ocean. One day they're in Brazil next to another BP, even though that BP was announced a long time ago. Um, so you're going to see all of that. You're going to see who's been transparent about ownership, who hasn't. And we hope that this tool will be kind of used by the community to to make sure that EO stays uh, independent and, and there's no collusion.
0: So it's almost like a policing, a self-policing tool in a way. Exactly. Right. And it's
1: it's all done through the information that the block producers submit to the blockchain. So it's it's all pulled from their what are called bpinfo.json file. So the block producers are giving us this, this info. There may be some info we compile, but we hope that it'll be a good community tool for people to use and say, hey, wait a minute, why is this infrastructure show as in the middle of the ocean? Why didn't you release, you know, who owns your company when these other 20 block producers did? So we're hoping that people will kind of take it and, and run with it.
0: That's, I think all, all the not all of them, but a lot of the block producers that I particularly like are building some really cool things. Yeah. And I'm going to give them a shout out on here. uh, Gray mass. Why are people not voting for gray (laughs) mass? Jesus. How are they not in the top 21? Yeah, it's crazy. We were, we were moving up with them for a while
1: at like 26 and 27. Then we got some big votes and got moved up into the 21 for, I think another day or two. We were number 20 and 21. Now we're back out at number 23, but only a few hundred thousand votes away from back in the top 21.
0: I Um, I was talking to, um, Josh from uh, EOS Canada yesterday, uh, because I want to bring him on here as a guest sometime to have another block producer's perspective. Yeah. Um, And he, one of the questions he asked me was, out of the block producers not in the top twenty one, which ones do you think should be in there? Yeah. <laughs> and the first thing that came out of my mouth, I didn't even have to think about it is was like, ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then like to, to go further than that, I actually had to look at a list and, and think about it. And like I, I think vibes is pretty good. Yeah. Outside of the top twenty-one. I, I think one of the issues with voting right now is um, that whenever you want to vote on all these tools with the UI, like a lot of times they're in order of the top 21. So if I don't know all of the block producers, I might just pick whatever else is picking. Right. Absolutely. It's it's not like randomized in the order. It's a UI type thing. Definitely. But I I definitely think they're, they're, the top 21 block producers right now, I don't think are the 21 best organizations to be in that type of a leadership position, let's yeah. just say. I it agree with that. It doesn't mean they're bad actors. Well, it it doesn't, might mean they're lazy actors. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't mean that we're, we're not talking about all of them here. And I'm no, not just saying no, this because no. we're not in the top 21. I think we would be happy being a backup BP forever. Obviously, we want to be in the top 21, but we're still going to continue to develop tools if we're not. Um, but I totally agree. There are some people still in there that probably shouldn't be in there. But fortunately, EOS Cleaner um, finally got bumped out. We're, I think, 100,000 votes away from passing them and being number 22. Um, but they got bumped out of the top Is 21. Is there a so. big
0: difference but like in, in block rewards between 21 and 22? Yes, there's a massive difference. Okay. So
1: the, the way it works, if you guys aren't familiar, um, there's 1% inflation on the network that pays the block producers. But every day, all of the block producers claim their rewards once. And you get two types of pay. Um, regardless of whether you're in the top 21 or not, you get what's called vote pay based on how many votes you have. So even if you only have, say, 10 EOS or 100 EOS, if you vote for block producers that you want to help fund, that really does increase their pay every day. Um, but then, when it comes to top 21, all of the people number one through 21 get the same flat amount of EOS in addition to the vote pay every day just for being in the top 21. So the difference between 21 and 22 is like a hundred percent jump in revenue. Okay,
0: so I, I liked your theory. Um, the first time you guys kind of got bumped out of the 21, um, like using some of the the, mo- the vote monitoring tools, you're able to see that like there was some big whale vote movement. Yeah. Um, and I, I liked your theory on that, and I, I hope it was strategic. You want to mm-hmm. kind of talk about the rotating vote theory that you gave me that one day? Yeah, so we noticed we had a massive,
1: and this was all coming from uh, Bifinex's different vote proxies, we had a massive 20 million vote um, whale vote along with six other people. Graymass was one of them. Um, I think Blocksmith was one of them. A bunch of people that we were kind of in the same placement with in the top 21. We all got bumped out at the same time. And now we've been slowly sort of moving up again. But uh, what it looks like is happening or or may be happening, it's just speculation based on some of these voting tools, is that somebody out there with a ton of EOS, whether it's Bitfinex themselves or a big whale on Bitfinex, is sort of rotating people around through the top 21 so that everybody can kind of get a share of those top 21 block rewards. And
0: I hope that's what they're doing. And for anyone listening, if you are a whale, I, I encourage you to do that because the more honest and good and technologically savvy block producers we have who are able to generate living wages for their staff and operating costs, the better. yeah. So you think there's probably block producers out there with great intentions and great talent that are maybe number 30. I don't know who's number 30 now, so I don't want to call anyone. Great mass, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, but like they might not be getting a lot of funding right now, but if you just vote, if you're like on the fence about them and if, if they get voted in for a couple weeks here and there that gives them an influx of income that once they get uh, voted back down to being a standby, they, they still have that funding influx that they yeah. got from when they were in the top 21. So it, it's a really good thing, I think, to kind of spread the wealth around.
1: Well, and it's worth noting, I mean, there are still a significant amount of people in the 21 that have kind of stayed there and not moved, like EOS Canada, EOS New York, EOS 42. X has always kept themselves in uh, through their voting proxies, whether that's users on the platform or it's Bitfinex themselves. We're not sure. Um, the tool's not super transparent. Uh, but there are some people that have been sort of in, and then the others seem to be rotating. So we'll see what happens with the next kind of uh, Bitfinex voter proxy shakeup. It seems to happen every Tuesday. Uh, the votes are changed.
0: So Bit- Bitfinex actually has some big stuff uh, going going on this weekend. Uh, they're doing their Bitfinex sponsored EOS hackathon. Really? This weekend? Yeah. So, and they're also, uh, let me find my notes. I don't even know if I put it in my notes or if I'm just reading oh, off the top of my head. Um, they're releasing. Uh, a beta version or uh, like a quick preview of EOS Phoenix.
1: Oh, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so this weekend, guys, in
0: London. Dude, oh, this is so, so much cool. stuff going on in London right now. London, yeah. London and New York, it seems like they have everything going on in the blockchain space. Yeah. But BitFinex this weekend, their hackathon in London, um, they're giving away some prizes. Um, not quite as big as Block 1s, but they're still good. If I was a dev and able to make $7,500 for first place, that's awesome. So they're offering $7,500 for first place, $3,000 for second, $1,500 for the third. Um, They're offering prizes for the best hack using the new EOS decentralized exchange. Wow. And also the best integration with the Ethfinex custodial trading API. So it's a hackathon, but I think I misspoke when I said it was strictly EOS. It's a blockchain hackathon, hmm. but definitely a focus on on the EOS FinEx yeah. piece of this. Because that that's a that's a big part of this, and obviously Bitfinex is a huge backer of Block One and EOS. Well,
1: and if you all aren't familiar, EOS Finex is uh, Bitfinex's upcoming decentralized exchange built on EOS. They announced that well before EOS even launched was kind of the one of the first major DAP announcements other than Everpedia's IQ. Um, so this is cool to see. I'm I'm excited. Yeah. I had no idea this was happening. I
0: haven't used chains yet, but you yeah. have. So what do you think will happen when all these DEXs come out? Like. EOS Phoenix obviously has a huge leg up on the competition. Yep. But what what is what it in your experience, what was the Chains Exchange like when you messed around with it? Chains is good. The The biggest drawback and the thing
1: that I think will hurt Chains in the long run is that they have KYC. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's mandatory KYC, so that means you have to submit a photo of your passport or your driver's license, go through it. It's really a very quick process, less than 24 hours for everybody, so it's not too bad. But when it comes to somebody choosing between a centralized exchange that requires KYC and you also have counterparty risk of them stealing your tokens, not that they will, but that risk always exists um versus a decentralized exchange where there's no kyc there's no counterparty risk because you maintain control of your tokens at all time it's going to be a no-brainer for people to use a decentralized exchange so i think once we see a dex well, on eos whether it's eos finex or something else the centralized exchanges like chains and these others are, are definitely going to get hurt to, to what extent i'm not sure but uh it really depends on the liquidity on these decentralized exchanges
0: yeah, and uh, the the to get back to the Bitfinex, the judges. Um, I just want to call out Serge uh, Medellin from, from yeah. Block One. He's he's the representative from the ES community who, who's going to be judging at the hackathon, and and also. I'm going to mess his name, Paolo, Paolo uh, the, yeah. the CTO at Bitfinex.
1: Paolo, very hard guy to reach, Paolo. Paolo, we, <laughs> if you're listening, which you're probably not, we've been trying to reach you, like seven different team members. I think every single one of us tried to message you. And, time
0: to hop on a plane to London. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and go meet him in person. Hey, sir.
0: Or not, sorry. Hey, Paolo.
1: Paolo. And I've met uh, I met Will Harborn, the director of operations at Ethfinex. met him at, uh, it was either Token Summit or Token Fest. Um, that was in 2016. 20- Seventeen, I think maybe 2016. Anyway, Will's a great guy, and I've spoken with Serge on the phone, uh, the head of developer relations at Block One. He's a great guy as well, very talented. So, should be uh, some good judges and speakers. Chatty
0: Cathy's here. i am got to get through my, my list of topics. I know, here. right? So, the other other big news a lot uh, going on. Uh, we we're talking about all this software. EOS 1.1 was yep. released when I was in bed last night. I got an alert from a tweet from Block One. Yep. Uh, so, from Uh, We talked offline about this. What's what's the feature you're most excited about that you've mentioned?
1: I'm most excited about their hardware wallet preview for Mac OS X. So for people who aren't familiar, every Mac that shipped for the last, I think, five years and every iPhone that shipped for the last, I think, seven years, ever since Touch ID was introduced, um, has a secure enclave in it. And what a secure enclave is is basically an isolated chip that never touches the internet. So you can store sensitive things on it like your fingerprint data or, in this case, private keys and ensure that nobody's going to hack it. So it's basically like having a Ledger hardware wallet or a Trezor hardware wallet built into your Mac or iPhone, and it it already exists. It's already there. But what Block One has done in EOS 1.1 is they're releasing a preview or sort of an alpha version of this hardware wallet for your Mac. So obviously you shouldn't store your funds there now because it's still alpha. You can play around with it with maybe a few EOS on a new account. But what this will eventually allow you to do is store your EOS securely on the hardware wallet that's already built into your Mac, and very soon after then use it on your iPhone. So in the near future, we're going to have people just using their iPhone as their wallet. And block one has said that once they release their iOS wallet they're gonna offer free eOS accounts to everybody uh, so it'll be a super easy way to onboard people into the ecosystem and get started
0: Let, let's let's take this train full circle yeah so earlier in the podcast we talked about steam yeah generating value yeah I kept using overstock.com as my example because I have bought lawn, I, I bought outdoor furniture <laughs> 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 with, with EOS, actually that's great <laughs> through shapeshift that's awesome um and that was my only experience doing something like that but Not with this. Yeah. Have you ever used Apple Pay or? or, Yeah. Oh, all the time. Yeah. I use Apple Pay all the time. No different than that. So the big issue would be all the POS systems at at brick and mortar retail to kind of figure out a way to integrate this. Well, and even a lot of them already do. I mean, if you go to any, virtually any major store,
1: anybody with an updated credit card reader, thanks to the you know, when everybody had to switch their credit card machines to the ones that supported the chip, they also added NFC, and that's what Apple Pay uses. So,
0: if this is going to go completely mainstream, like, like we expect it to in the next couple of years, you would just add a crypto wallet, just like you add a debit card yep. to Apple Pay. Oh yeah, and that would be you. You set it. Uh, I would set my EOS wallet as my primary funding source. Yep. I would go to a, a convenience store, or Target, Walmart, whatever. Um, it, it would ask me to pay. I scan or I, I like swipe my my iPhone over it <clears throat> and since my primary payment method is EOS but the store i wants cash there would have to be like some sort of conversion built in yeah well you to could a use stable the- coin there's so many people making stable coins right now and it's going to be a necessity yeah <clears throat> but essentially uh, a brick and mortar transaction will be able to be done with your crypto wallet and EOS is the first system even close to having something like this. Yeah. Well, and, I mean to your point about
1: to your point about bringing this full circle, it really comes down to to Making it accessible for the mainstream. So when Block One releases this Facebook competitor, or Twitter competitor, or Uber competitor, and they have the ability to, to use a free crypto wallet already on your phone, using your phone that already has that built-in hardware wallet, you get your free EOS account.
0: You sign own up crypto that you didn't yeah. have to
1: pay for. You earned it. Well, and to everybody who's using it, all of these pain points of the blockchain right now, where, to your point earlier, you know, you got to sign up, you got to link your bank account, then you got to figure out how to store it and write down your recovery seed. All these crazy things go away. When you have it secured on the hardware wallet that's already in your iPhone or your Mac. So to just tell somebody, hey, download this new app, you can make money, you know, posting like you post on Facebook or Twitter now, I think it's going to go just, just totally viral because it's going to be so easy to sign up and, and so valuable to people who are already sick and tired of Facebook right now anyway.
0: <laughs> All right, we got, we got to start flying through some of these topics. Yeah, to keep let's this talk about what now, else is happening. We don't want to have people waste too much Time listening to our beautiful voices. <laughs> um, so the main net broke TPS records. Yes. Um, according to EOSnetworkmonitor.io, which is a great resource if anyone wants to monitor the speed of the blocks. Um, it actually broke its own record twice within 24 hours. Yeah. So uh, for, first first of all, let me, let me explain that the speed of uh, the TPS of Visa, which is usually the gold standard. When people are kind of talking about the limitations of, of blockchain, they're like, well, via Visa does 1,700 transactions per second, and Ethereum can only do maybe 20 on a good 15, day. 15, yeah. 15. Uh, Bitcoin, like, seven. Well, with Lightning Network, it's probably a little higher. I'm not sure the number today. But 1,700, and, and saying Visa can do 1,700 transactions. So we to if we want to process global payments, we have to be able to at least do that just for that one use case. Absolutely. Well... The record's been broken. EO surpassed three thousand TPS the Yeah, other day.
1: And TPS, for those who don't know, transactions per second. So how many
0: transactions can this network process in one second? Now, why what's the cause for the increase? Is it basic we've never been at capacity, so is it just a matter of we could have hit this number from day one, we yeah. just didn't have enough transactions
1: exactly there just weren't enough transactions and the, some account by the name of block twitter um they made like a, a very simple twitter app has been basically the reason for it they're just sort of spamming um to some extent but they're also you know testing the transactions for second was
0: stuff like this done on the test nets
1: Um, to an extent, but we hit 1475 on jungle, the jungle test net we were a part of, um, which was the highest out of all the test nets, but we've never broken 2000 and certainly never broken 3000 on a test net or on live until now. So it's a pretty significant accomplishment.
0: Interestingly enough, yesterday Q who for those not following us regularly, he's the, he's the guy that Rob made his big million dollar bet against. I work with him here at ICO alert. He came over to me because he got a bunch of random transactions to his EOS wallet where they transfer him like point zero 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 one EOS. Yeah. And we looked at this wallet and he apparently sent it to like every like thousands and thousands of wallets. Yeah. And I don't know what this guy's deal is.
1: Why is he I think honestly people are using that as a way to and I wouldn't click on any links in the the memo field, but they're basically using it as a way to spam people with some kind of memo. It was all like
0: Chinese text, so we didn't even know what it said. Well and I
1: got I got a couple in English that had a link to something that was like make an EOS account here, which is probably very likely a scam if they're just sending out like basically less than a penny worth of EOS to someone with a link, don't click on that link. Don't make an EOS account there. It's not a good
0: idea. But That's interesting. That's like a new version of spam. Like how?
1: Yeah. Because I mean, like you, can, you can send a memo, a message to someone for basically free. I mean, that person was, was more than likely able to send, let's see, if there are 300,000 EOS accounts right now, which was the Genesis snapshot about, times I got 0. 0.0001 EOS for 30 EOS, You can send a message to everybody on the eos network Hmm. very cheap 30 eos is what uh 250 bucks
0: so if this becomes a regular thing where you want to look at your transaction log and your real transactions are mixed in with thousands of these garbage ones i think there might be a need for some filtering on the front ends of the block explorers uh because if you're able to just filter like a minimum transaction amount you'd be able to filter out all the junk if oh, like exactly. you made a limitation of don't show me any transactions that are smaller than 0.1 eos or something yeah absolutely and Point one would get rid of it so you develop easily develop that tool you probably already have some block explorer tools being built yeah uh this looks like it might might be something something spammy moving forward and with zero fee transactions there's not really a way to stop someone from sending you free money yeah it's just like a fraction of a penny so it's like just kind of bothersome to sift through it if you're trying to yeah, I mean, just look at your transaction log
1: fortunately with eos it does have built-in rate limiting so someone can't spam the network to the point where the network is not usable yeah, like is happening it. they're yeah. just giving
0: away money I exactly mean, i'm not telling them to stop yeah know. right <laughs> a fraction of a penny is a fraction of a penny <laughs> <laughs> but, I'll take uh, it. but yeah um, they're not going to break anything and yeah definitely they're testing the tps limits but uh it might be a an issue moving well, forward, I don't know. It's important it's not to note that anything.
1: hitting 3,000 transactions per second is is a big feat now, because not only do uh, other main blockchains like Ethereum only do 15, not 1,500, but 15, and Bitcoin does about three per second. So it's, it's hundreds of times better than that already. Um, but this is also still the single-threaded implementation, which basically means you can only process all these transactions on one computing thread. Um, in the near future, by the end of the year, we should have multi-threading available, which means we can space out, we can sort of link together a bunch of these single threads that all do several thousand transactions per second and basically make unlimited transactions per second. You add on side chains to that, this thing is gonna be scalable to whatever limits it needs to be. So I think going back to you know the original point about Facebook and when somebody building or block one building the new decentralized Facebook, I think it's gonna come out early next year after multi-threading is out, after side chains are out, I think it's gonna run on a side chain connected to the main network. Um, and we're going to see just a massive influx of new users who don't even realize they're using a blockchain using these apps.
0: Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So we're, we're getting to the tail end of the show here. Um, maybe we should uh, recap some of the, the big topic we covered last week was the RAM speculation. Yeah. Did, it, did anything that you know have changed? Because it seems like this speculation's leveled off the speculation
1: has basically the price is effectively stabilized and yeah. i think the reason why is that there's sort of a consensus on how we're going to fix the problem so number one is that software solution i talked about with side chains each side chain having its own ram pool so you don't necessarily even need to buy ram on this this mainnet that's that's relatively expensive but also now that we know um once, once the proposal is kind of fully accepted and implemented, it looks like one kilobyte of RAM will be added uh, to every block produced every half a second. So about 64 gigabytes added to the RAM pool every year, which should make the price just gradually decrease over time. So with all of this in mind and with this consensus sort of reached now, I think the speculators are going, OK, maybe I'm not going to buy it. Maybe I'll sell off my EOS since the price is going to decline I'm over so time. I'm so
0: glad I did not speculate on RAM. <laughs> the first time I messaged you about the RAM market, yeah. I think it was at like 0.06. Yeah. And if I was going to speculate, that would have been the time to go oh, because I'd still be ahead. But I kept watching it go off and go off. Oh and I was my like, God. what the hell is going on? And I knew the price wasn't going to last, but a speculator is going to speculate. It's yeah. all about the, 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 the flip it. And 100%. If I were to have done that, it would have been above the 0.33. It's kind of stable to yeah. off at I I personally yeah. don't recommend speculating on RAM or even per- anticipating necessarily with a large chunk like it, it's okay to speculate with maybe a small percentage of your tokens yeah but know that you're you're probably going to lose
1: them or you could lose all of yeah. them yeah a lot of people got burned when the, the ram market quote-unquote crashed from 0.9 eos per kilobyte all the way down to, to 0.3 it's, it's insane
0: i read that um so I, I mentioned that i was in like a ram price telegram channel yeah or something um yeah, there's a whole ram telegram. i read speculation that Uh, The person who started that group was actually some big whale that drove the price up. Really? And basically got everyone excited about RAM. And it could have been a group of people. I'm I'm not real familiar with the backstory. But this RAM price channel was created by a person or a group of people who had already bought in on the RAM speculation. And they were just trying to hype it up more to to dump their bags eventually. Makes a lot of
1: sense. I mean, there's... These markets right now are very prone to manipulation, so especially when
0: something new. If like If I that want comes to drive out. speculation, how do I drive speculation? I get a bunch of speculators in a room and I create an echo chamber. Yeah, exactly. I got all these ram speculators. Ram is pumping. In a room. Ram is pumping. Exactly. Ram is pumping, and then everybody buys
1: into yeah. it. Yeah. So highly illegal, by the way. So don't, kids out there, don't try it.
0: <laughs> all right. So I, I guess we recap the main topic on last week's episode. Uh, we can give a preview for next week's episode. Yeah. We'll so, be having our first guest on yes. the show. So it'll be someone uh, talking talking shop with with Rob and I. Uh, SVK Crypto, yeah, wanna, to kind of talk about their background a little bit. Yeah, so
1: SVK Crypto um, is an investment firm based in London, sort of a, a VC firm. They were the London's
0: going crazy. London, really blockchain is. Blockchain Capital, man. London and New York.
1: It seems like it. Well, they were and, actually NCO
0: and, or, there's a lot of blockchain yeah, capitals,
1: yeah. and we got Blockchain Island with uh, I forget the name, but wherever <laughs> Binance moved.
0: But there, I, I'm so jealous that I don't live in one of these cities where there's all this in this action going on.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so SVK Crypto is this, this big VC fund. They were one of the recent um, VC funds to partner with EOS VC through Block One's billion-dollar DAP fund. I believe it was a $50 million partnership. Um, but we have Charles and Shane from SVK Crypto are going to join us on the show next week. Um, we're going to be talking about their partnership with Block One, maybe some of the DAPs they're interested in funding, sort of you know pick their brain on EOS and the, the future of the ecosystem as well. So it should be a pretty awesome episode next week. Uh, definitely make sure to stay tuned for that. It's, it's going to be awesome.
0: Since I know Q's going to be listening to this af- after we post it, yeah. w- we we should call this episode the EOS Roundtable. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. He'll get so mad. Yeah,
1: take away uh, a little bit of the that roundtable title.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, so, is there anything else you, you want to mention before we wrap up here? Any anything Yeah, the
1: the last thing, probably the the least interesting thing, but you know, still something to keep an eye on. Um, Wednesday, so a few days ago, as you're listening to this now, uh, and that was Wednesday, the 18th of July. Um, Congress, the United States Congress, actually held two different hearings uh, on cryptocurrency, uh, both of which were relatively positive. But to one of your points earlier about you know people creating. These new currencies and these new on ramps through Steam and other other platforms, um, where you don't even have to go through the dollar. One of the congressmen actually mentioned he was mentioning, you know, it looks like, and this is not a verbatim quote, just basically what I remember, um, but basically saying something to the effect of, "It looks like a new money supply is being created here, but I'm not sure how that's possible." And went on to say, "Like the U.S. dollar is the backbone of the world, how can they make a new one?" And just oh very God. confused about what's happening. But overall, the both hearings were very positive. You know, said a lot of the same things they've said before. Um, so one interesting quote, our committee has a deep interest in promoting strong markets for commodities of all types, including those emerging through new technology. So looking to promote this stuff, looking to make sure it's regulated properly, not overregulated. more good news coming out of the, the regulatory side in the U.S.
0: Really, really exciting stuff. So I guess this is a good spot to wrap up. Yeah. I look forward to telling you guys more stories about EOS, sharing more announcements next week. Hope you guys all enjoyed this episode. And once again, I'm Zach Gall. I'm Rob Finch. And this is Everything EOS.